time for business with Giles Beckford. Kia ora, Giles. Another insurance company falls out of the FMA. Kira to you, Marnie. Yes, Vero Insurance is the latest life insurance company to be taken to court by the Financial Markets Authority for allegedly misleading and overcharging customers. The authority claims the company misled 47,000 consumers about multi-policy discounts, resulting in them being overcharged $8.7 million. Nona Peltzier has more. The FMA has filed high court proceedings against Vero for incorrectly stating the premiums owed by customers who should have got a multi-policy discount for holding more than one policy. The regulator says errors and deficiencies in Vero's systems caused the overcharging and are significant. It says Vero has refunded more than $10 million to affected policyholders. Vero says it's moved to fix the issue, apologize and reimburse affected customers. The FMA wants a court ruling that Vero has breached the law and a pecuniary penalty. In recent months, AIA and Cigna have been penalized for breaches after an FMA Reserve Bank crackdown for unfair and improper treatment of consumers. So far, the finance sector has repaid more than $150 million to nearly a million and a half people as a result. Activity in the country's services sector remains strong, but the rate of expansion has slowed as businesses still face employment and supply chain challenges. The BNZ Business New Zealand Performance of Services Index fell 2.8 points to 55.8 in September. Any reading above 50 indicates expansion. BNZ senior economist Craig Ebert says expansion is being driven by strong new orders and sales activity, with relaxed COVID settings fueling demand. Says the strong expansion in the services sector, coupled with ongoing growth in manufacturing, points to another quarter of solid economic growth. They are encouraging regarding growth, and we're expecting Q3 GDP to expand 1%, which for GDP is actually a very solid result. And these latest indicators are broadly in line with that. Uh, there, there is some degree of growth still coming in the economy for the meantime, but I think the other thing we're conscious of is a lot of the leading indicators of growth, and particularly with ongoing capacity issues, whether that degree of growth is going to sustain itself, maybe some of it's just this post-COVID uh, opening of borders uh, impetus through the economy and, and just how sustainable that is through to the end of the year and to the early part of the next year. That's, that's the big question we have. And Craig Ebert says improvement in the supply side of the economy will help to ease inflation pressures. The wholesale sector is lagging far behind its overseas competitors, according to a report that suggests the need to invest in digital technologies is critical. The Westpac industry report indicates the country's more than 16,700 wholesale firms face a dim outlook if they fail to innovate. Westpac industry industry economist Paul Clark says old school business practices will not deliver what customers want, given the advances that are taking place overseas, such as where Amazon has been operating. This is an industry that's um, been left behind. Um, when you compare it to what's happening overseas. The gap is quite large. Looking at um, uh, the best part of a decade, probably, uh, for those kind of changes to come through, it's going to take a, a bit of time uh, and lots of investment, um, and that may be problematic for some. Well, Paul Clark says one reason for the lack of innovation has been weak competition, which has been caused by distribution agreements that limit the choice of specific product lines and brands. Well, U.S. curbs on semiconductor exports to China are being interpreted as an escalation of the chip war of recent years and threatens to shake up the global market. 
The ban covers the direct export of high-end chips, equipment used to make uh, the chips, and includes foreign firms that use U.S. equipment to make semiconductors. An academic expert, Chris Miller of Tufts University, says the bans will have a dramatic effect on the global market and are likely to affect most foreign players in the market. Whether it's the firms that make uh, the machine tools used to produce semiconductors and will now face new restrictions on the transfer of this technology to China, companies that produce chips for advanced data centers, which uh, will be limited in terms of sales to China, but also other types of chip firms that produce chips that are often paired with uh, uh, restricted equipment might also be impacted. So uh, across the semiconductor sector, there are a lot of companies who will find their business models impacted, their sales to China uh, restricted. As Chris Miller of Tufts University, he says the impact on consumers is likely to be relatively limited, but certain types of goods may be made in different countries. Let's we'll see how it's all looking at the start of the week on financial markets. I'm joined by Selwyn Smith of Jardin Securities. Kira to you, Selwyn. Yeah, good afternoon, Giles. Well, very uh, dim, grim uh, performance on Wall Street uh, at the end of last week, uh, and it's looked a bit of a soggy start locally. Sydney has, look, despite the stunning Dunedin weather this morning, the NZX has had a sluggish start, weighed down by that US inflation data you've mentioned, Giles, which has proven to be quite difficult to shift. So the NZX is currently down 105 to 10,762 points. Any notable moves there? Yeah, the big movers of the day are Dunedin Company Pacific Edge up 1.5 cents to 47. Tourism Holdings continue their good run up 5 cents to $3.10. And restaurant brands, brands up 4 cents to $7.09. Otherwise, I take it that most of the leaders are just uh, slowly ebbing away. Yeah, there is some read across the NZX with E-Road down 7 to $1.30 Meridian is down 10 cents to $4.50 and Pressing Property is down 2.5 cents to $1.18 25 minutes into the session in Australia, how's it looking? Yeah, the Aussie market's also seeing red down 90 points to 6,670 and look, there's only a handful of stocks in, in the green this morning uh, on the on the ASX, event hospitality is up two cents to thirteen dollars and five. Brickworks is up ten cents to twenty one dollars seventy eight, and Endeavour Group is up thirteen to seven dollars eight. Well, a feature of markets recently has been the strength of the US dollar and the consequent weakness in the Kiwi. How's it looking this uh, this morning? New Zealand dollar continues to be dragged lower. We're about fifty five and a half cents against the US dollar trading about 89.5 cents against the Australian dollar, but over 49 British pence and just over 57 euro cents today. Which leaves us with interest rates, oil and gold. The New Zealand three-month bank bill rate is up three points to uh, 4.04%. Oil sitting flat at 93 US dollars a barrel and gold is down $4.24 to 1,645 US dollars per ounce. Thank you very much. That's uh, Selwyn Smith from Jardin Securities and the sunny Otiporti. Let's have a look at uh, a couple of other items of business news. Country's biggest company, Fonterra, says it will tie its future funding structure to its sustainability goals. It says its future borrowing will be based on meeting environmental targets, such as reducing environmental risk from daring, cutting carbon emissions and improving water efficiency. It says it expects to spend up to a billion dollars up to 2030 on such projects. And uh, as Selwyn was mentioning there, Pacific uh, Edge, 
The Cancer Diagnostic Company says its volume of tests have risen by more than a third over the past year as it gains greater acceptance in the US as well as New Zealand. We'll update business news and numbers around half past five in Checkpoint. But uh, for now, back to you, Marnie. Kia ora, Giles. Cut off your mic there a bit soon. Time for sport now. With what a Steve. shame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we need to send you out of the studio, Stephen Houston. Time for sport now with Stephen Houston. And Stephen, there's so many World Cups, I feel like I need four different screens at home at the moment. Indeed you do, and it's hard to keep up, isn't it? Uh, but we're talking about the Rugby League World Cup uh, now, and Kiwis coach Michael Maguire says his side lacked intensity at the start of the opening World Cup match against Lebanon this morning. The Lebanese scored first and put the Kiwis under pressure for much of the game before New Zealand finally ran away with a 34-12 win. Maguire admits they've got plenty to work on. I think we'll take a few lessons from uh, the Lebanon team. They definitely came out. You know, I thought they did uh, a really good job at the start. So uh, for us, we'll get a lot out of that about how we played and you know our connections to players. I thought we were very clunky at times. It's something there that uh, you know we need to improve moving forward. And the Kiwis play Jamaica next weekend. The Caribbean side will be beaten 48-2 by Ireland this morning. Southland's Corbin Strong has won the third medal for New Zealand at the Track Cycling World Champs in Paris. Strong won a silver in the men's elimination race to go with the silver medal won by Bryony Border in the women's individual pursuit yesterday, while Aaron Gate won bronze in the Omnium. The Black Caps batter Devon Conway says losing their T20 World Cup warm-up matches against South Africa and India wouldn't be a reason to panic, and he believes the two matches will be the perfect preparation for their tournament opener. New Zealand opened their campaign against the host and defending champs Australia at a sold-out SCG on Saturday night and play their two warm-up games against South Africa this evening and then India on Wednesday. Conway says playing the two teams who the bookies believe have a better chance of winning the tournament than the Black Caps will provide a timely litmus test for the New Zealanders. South Africa and India are very strong 